John Petrov, Season 2, Episode 7. So John, you and I spoke, I think the first time was a couple months ago, and we talked about consumers. I, I was really, really excited. We just discovered consumerization of the employee experience through an episode with Spirit Airlines, David Klein, and you just blew my mind. You got it. You understood. And you began to share ideas how in your world, you're already on that path. You're already having these conversations. And I think you were one of the first CHROs that I connected with on this who got it. And you gave me the confidence and the conviction to continue this this turbulent journey that we're on as I'm getting mixed reviews. Some absolutely get it, love it. They're on it. Others are saying, wait a second, there's a different point of view. So first of all, just John, thank you for the time. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for the continued uh, encouragement. Thank you, Adam, for having me here with you today. Of course. And, and John, where I'd like to begin, and, and you know that I've spoken to a number of folks in you know the healthcare industry, and I think context is really, really important for us. Um, but I'd like for you to, if you don't mind, share with our audience as we continue our discussion, here is the context and here are some of the challenges, these, these amazing humans that are in the front lines supporting us, supporting their communities that they're experiencing. The context of healthcare, it's, it's very complicated, uh, but in some ways it's simple and straightforward. You know, we're in the business of providing care to um, people and to communities. Oftentimes when people are in a difficult situation, um, you know, one may take their health to be uh, a very serious topic and rightfully so, right? Uh, and we live in a day and age with the advent of the COVID pandemic the past two years. I think that people have realized in a much more um, intimate and meaningful way just how important not only one person's healthcare is, but the healthcare of the communities that we all live in, right? And from a, a workforce perspective, we have the responsibility, also the honor and privilege of serving our patients, in essence, our family, our friends, our loved ones, our community members, to make sure that they uh, can live the fullest and most healthiest life possible. Um, and that's a lot of responsibility, and, and at times it, it can be a challenge. I can imagine, and and your dis- your and I discussion as I as I spoke about business outcomes, to to really to meet the pressure to consumerize well from business outcomes to the pressure to consumerize the employee experience. You said, Adam, you know the way you would pose the question is how can consumerization of the employee experience improve access to caregivers, right in the community, because that that is that is your focal point. And uh, I want to just double down before we start to think about that question on, you know, the distresses, the, the today's mindset. As, as I talk to folks, again, especially in the healthcare industry, they're fatigued. They're fatigued. This is, there's professional, there's personal lives. Um, so maybe just double click a little further before we say, okay, well, that's the question in front of us. Where do we begin? Not just fatigue, but just burnout. There are issues that are presented within our workforce, psychological safety. We're having to do psychological first aid training. Um, in addition to managing and, and working in an environment where there are just not enough caregivers, not, not enough employees to go around, uh, to care for uh, our patients, which continue to have increasing needs uh, for our services. Um, we're also dealing with increases with um, violence that is uh, impacting the lives of our caregivers. You know, our employees are, are um, 
facing difficult situations, there's also a behavioral health crisis across our country. Uh, and, and these are additional stressors uh, that are placed on our workforce. Yeah, heart goes out to, to you know, so many folks in, in, in those in difficult situations. Um, and, and as I think, you know, the business outcomes, I, I know most executives kind of started the business outcome question. And, and, I, and I want us to think about K- KPIs first so that in our in this podcast, I try to make sure that our conversations are, you know, we are connected to the humanity in the workplace, yet we are reconciling a very direct impact on business outcomes so that this does not end up being a conversation in the activity zone and nice to have. So, John, when you think about the business outcomes, where do you focus? How do you think? Is it retention? Are you thinking about the you know patient care, caregiver experiences? If you could share a few KPIs for us to hone in on. So um, if you're speaking specifically about the KPIs for the workforce, for our caregivers here at Guthrie, we call all of our employees caregivers. We focus on retention first and foremost. It's keeping the people that we already have here, right? We saw a mass exodus workforce. This is across the industry as a whole, not just specific to Guthrie, um, of our front patient-facing populations, our nurses, for example. In particular, uh, those nurses providing care in the operating room. Uh, They took opportunities externally to become travel nurses, earning significantly higher wages uh, and having the flexibility to travel on assignments for 12 to 13 weeks at various locations throughout the country. We had to place an emphasis and we continue to place an emphasis on keeping the people we already have and to nurture and develop them through career paths, career planning, other types of leadership development opportunities, things of that nature, to make sure that they have the tools and resources to carry out their duties in an efficient and effective manner. One other outcome we look at from a KPI perspective, we had to change what's called the care delivery model. For example, there are just not enough nurses out there in the marketplace. Same thing with graduating nurses that are new entrants into our healthcare jobs. It's not as if a new grad can come to work for us and and begin to provide care day one to their patients. They have a significant onboarding and training period, which sometimes can last, you know, a couple of months in duration before they can provide direct patient care on their own. And with that said, um, we have to ensure that we have ample development opportunities for our workforce. So we changed our care model. And several months back, um, we went back to uh, a former mindset that had somewhat gone away a number of years ago, where you have a team-based clinical care model that comprises a nurse and LPN, and we call our support folks care partners. Uh, These are individuals could also be called patient care techs and other uh, organizations. But you have this uh, triad partnership that renders care to a larger population of patients rather than the traditional setting of one nurse to X number of patients. And by improving the care model and diversifying it, we are able to provide greater access, which is one of the business outcomes that we want to achieve. We're in the business of providing care to our patients, And one of the most critical aspects of that relationship or dynamic is that they have appropriate access to the services, to the clinicians, to the care that we have to provide to them. It's really, you have to think about the convergence of the two journeys, the patient journey 
and uh, you know your 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 employees or the sorry I shouldn't say employee caregivers. Both of those journeys come together, and for you to keep both KPIs in mind, John. When we talk about the employee experience, you know there are many phases, many stages of the employee experience. Is there one that you find that you focus on most? How do you, or do you think about it more holistically? What employee experience stages are are most important in your view? That's a great question, Adam. And when I think about the employee experience, I have to think about start to finish. And in our world, we define that as from hire to retire. We want individuals to be with us for the long term, right? Um, the the more experience you have, the more developed your skill set will be. Um, the better care that you can provide to our patients, the more flexible your skills and abilities may be to do something new, innovative, or creative, or to move from one area of our operation to the next. Um, So we look at the full employee life cycle. Um, From an employee or caregiver experience perspective, um, we do survey our employees twice a year. We do a full survey once a year, and then we do what's called a pulse survey mid-year to check to see what elements of engagement are we meeting, exceeding, or maybe lacking in, and we develop specific action plans. And um, that helps us to drive our our strategic plan within HR and where we identify priorities. Let me give you an example real quick. So from a benefit perspective, we have uh, a traditional benefit plan, right? Medical plan that's uh, very comprehensive and and you have a pharmaceutical uh, RX plan as well. And historically, let's take um, an employee that has a baby. Historically, when an employee has a baby under the old model of the health plan, and that's pretty much the model that exists everywhere, that employee has 30 to 60 days to enroll their new baby or babies, right? New dependent or dependents. They have the birth is what's called a qualifying life event. Imagine you work in healthcare. You and I have talked about a lot of the stressors that exist in our environment to begin with. And you go and you have a baby. And while a baby is definitely something to be celebrated, it's stressful as well. There are challenges and complications associated with navigating that as well. And you have to worry about filling out paperwork to get your baby enrolled. When in fact, behind the scenes, from a plan perspective, data readily available to us that we get a notification if a participant has a baby, right, under, under our health plan. So why not automatically enroll that dependent? Save our caregiver the time and the stress from having to go through that process. So starting this year in 2023, we launched an automated process where any of our caregivers, if they give birth, their dependent will be automatically enrolled, and then they have an option within 60 days to unenroll that baby dependent because they might have coverage through their spouse or someone else and they might not need coverage through Guthrie. I remember when you and I were on the first phone call and you mentioned that example and you said, Adam, is this what you meant by consumerization of the employee experience? And and, and I said, absolutely, absolutely. It, it, how do we meet them where they are? How do we understand their world? How do we create context um, that supports their entire their entire experience, caregiver experience. So John, thank you. That example is a great place for us to kind of put put as a, this is, that's where the bar is, how much impact we want to create by consumerization, reorientation of their entire experience about them, to focus on them. But now I'd like us to zoom out a bit and say, okay, 
If we want to accomplish that, we want to improve retention. That's the business. We want to improve retention and caregiver access, right? By consumerization, that was an example where a lot of the organizations are now getting stuck is to think about their internal stakeholders. Who should be a part of the process? There are some that I see as enablers, technology folks. Are there others? Who do you see? as important stakeholders to bring on to this project? Uh, it's a lot of different stakeholders and navigating that um, it can be a lot of work, but meaningful work, right? Because we can improve the experience and the outcomes. He, definitely information technology is a critical uh, partner. Let me give you another example from a consumer perspective. We are a healthcare system comprised of five hospitals and over 300 clinics serving over 9,000 square miles within a 12-county region of North Central Pennsylvania and South Central Upstate New York. But we do not have immediate or ready access to behavioral health services at any given moment throughout our system. We do have those services, but there are challenges with respect to access. So we launched a benefit using a technological platform for virtual care this year that opens up the access for those services um, beyond our immediate region where folks can get them nationally. And also the demographic of our workforce is changing. While you have to work in a lot of our brick and mortar locations to render patient care, there are also many positions such as IT or HR that you could work from anywhere in the country remotely. And you don't have a Guthrie Clinic location to go to in Houston, Texas. So we had to make sure that we were leveraging technology in this particular example to give access to the services, whether it be behavioral health, dermatology, or primary care, uh, to not only folks within our immediate service region, but beyond, because we employ people throughout the country now. Another stakeholder would be our clinicians, right? Uh, we have to work with our direct caregivers, um, whether they be physicians, uh, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, and others, to determine what are those facets and level of care that can meet and exceed the needs of our caregivers who we employ, because as a patient, they are a consumer of our services, albeit through our health plan or our dental plan, our vision plan, so on and so forth. And then speaking directly with our caregivers themselves and making sure that we have touch points on a regular ongoing basis with our frontline workforce to ensure that A, we're listening to them, we're acknowledging what we're doing well and we keep doing those things well, but we also acknowledge where we have gaps and opportunities and need to improve. And then that's where we develop our plans and our strategy to close those gaps and to ensure that we are promoting and providing the best possible experience. You're so right. When I asked the question of stakeholders, and for a second I was like, well, why are you going to the stakeholders of, of the care? Yes, that makes sense. We have these audiences in our world. These are our caregivers and the patients, totally. Now let's look at the stakeholders that are, who who owns this this as the KPI? And, and I see that would be you as the, as the CHR, and you'll correct me in a minute if, I, if I'm right or not. But then who are the enablers? Obviously, you've mentioned technology, but other enablers would be marketing, communication. These conversations are going in very interesting directions because it is so new. So few companies are asking the questions. So I'm curious, do you, do you see yourself owning the retention? And then who are the other functional areas in, uh, 
in the in the organization to, to be the enablers. So Adam, first of all, I'm the chief caregiver officer, a little bit unique than chief human resources officer, and that is in that we call our workforce, everybody, clinical or non-clinical, a caregiver. So uh, I think I'm only the second chief caregiver officer in the nation. But any event, having said that, frontline leaders ultimately own retention. I believe I'm responsible for the strategy and the plan. I, I do have responsibility for orchestrating what is it that we're thinking of from a big picture perspective and how do we bring all of the different resources together and how do we align the stakeholders but ultimately the frontline leader, anybody who's a people leader, a manager, you own the retention of your team, whether it's a single person or 50 people. Having said that, I'll give you another example with marketing and communication. So go back two years ago, some of our entry level positions, we would never have thought to had a virtual job fair. We were always accustomed to doing open houses or doing community events and things of that nature. And through partnership with our marketing and communications team, as well as IT, we have leveraged new creative uh, modes or medians by which to facilitate discussions with care partners, with phlebotomists, with a number of folks that we would not have historically ventured into an online job fair, if you will. But using some of these new platforms and technologies, we, were, we are able to engage in larger numbers of, of candidates at the same time and also yield higher numbers of um, new individuals joining the team, hires, right, in terms of our ability to, to source through a virtual online job fair that historically we would never have thought of having two years ago. It's being innovative and thinking outside the box. I, I, my perspective is you can't leave any stone unturned, Adam. Anybody and everybody has the potential to provide their input and add value in this discussion. Totally agreed. And, and yeah, I was just thinking about the job fair compared to how it was when I graduated to, to how it is now. So much is changing. And I also am reflecting on the focus on the people leaders. We've had Gallup join the conversation and, and it, people don't leave the organizations. They leave their manager, you know, my wife, my friends, you know, anyone who talks about, hey, within my organization, how's it going? Well, the first comments are usually, I love or hate my, my manager. Um, and, and you and I started talking about data and I know you said, hey, we, we're not sure we're leading the market in terms of how we're approaching data. But, you know, I challenged you by saying that based on the conversations I'm having, looking at data with this lens is a very new exercise. The companies that are asking the questions are, are leading the conversation. And, and I be again, being specific lens being how do we improve our business outcomes such as, you know, retention and caregiver access through the consumerization of the employee experience. So now I'm combining those two points, you know, I'm thinking about the people leaders and then I'm thinking about data, right? And I'm thinking about consumerization and I wonder to myself, you know, how cool would it be, you know, if someone is returning to work after being sick for, for a week and, um, you know, there's a, there's a threshold. If there are too many meetings, if they're too busy, they're too, there's too much going on, where if a manager saw that whole activity of the first day, they would be concerned. They would be checking in. Are you okay? Is there anything I could do? But are we able to look at data 
to understand that that conversation could be important to give people leaders an option to engage and to simply let them know that's taking place. You and I did not discuss this, kind of putting you on, you know, on the spot for us to dream. Is this, is this where we see the world evolving to? I, I think that um, analytics, data, whatever you want to call it, extremely important in helping us to make the most informed decision possible. And we have so many different benchmarks and data points as it relates to the patient population that we serve, right? And most healthcare organizations do. We have many modern um, health record, right? We call it the EMR, very advanced capabilities. We use Epic here at Guthrie and, and I could produce just about any type of report you could think of. On the human capital side of things, I think that we've always used lagging indicators while you know turnover is an important piece of information and looking at the vacancy rate is an important piece of information. I don't know that you fully understand the idiosyncrasies between what really drives those two things unless you could peel back the onion and you can assess certain data points and better understand. Like for example, we have a series of action reason codes as to why a person leaves the organization. Sometimes it's for another job, sometimes it's relocation, sometimes it's for personal reasons, right? We make it a point, we actually conduct personal exit interviews with as many caregivers uh, that part ways with us to better understand and capture, and then we correlate the data and the findings between what they reported vis-a-vis the system, they checked the box, and then what we discovered or uncovered during the exit interview. A lot of organizations have outsourced exit interviews for those that do them to an online platform where it's very informal and you're asked a series of questions. And again, it's checking the box. And I don't know that you get to the root of why somebody truly left. And we found that not to give a percentage, but a statistically significant number of folks, when you talk to them and you have that either video call face-to-face or telephone call over the phone, we're better able to assess the true reason for why they left. And in a few instances, we were able to recover, do service recovery, and get that individual to come back and to stay with Guthrie, which is the ultimate win-win. And then for those that we might not have been able to salvage the individual, we were able to do an intervention based on the additional insights that we gleaned through that discussion that helped us to prevent further turnover in any given team or to do a better job on the front end. Let's say we turned over an individual who was a recent new hire to better understand and not um, repeat the same type of um, opportunity that could cause another new hire to leave us in a short amount of time as well. So that's just one very high level example of how we're peeling back the onion, as you said, and taking data and not necessarily what we see on the surface, but digging deeper to either confirm or validate or invalidate the data that we may think is is being presented from what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you take it seriously, the hire to retire. Well, your your quote so that there's the retire and how you know carefully and deliberately you approach that process and and now going going back to data and and I'm in my mind I'm almost imagining what if you can well first taking a step back um, when you are 
receiving service, when you're receiving care, it's it's almost a convergence of, into one episode of two humans or, or a number of humans that come together, whether it's for five minutes, an hour, a couple hours. And uh, that experience today is captured via data. And to your point, you know, we these are leading indicators. There's there's so much data. What was the care like? You know, on what was the 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 caregivers' experience like that day or that week? Um, and then, is are we living in a world where we bring this data together? We apply insights to that, and then do we make it? actionable and we're taking it all the way through to say maybe even real time and you know I, I have passion for nudges I live in the world that you know nudge I talk about nudges all day so John am I are we are we tracking you know uh, we do it on the patient side and we've been doing patient experience surveys for a long time and and we manage a, a big piece of our operation because our focus here at Guthrie is patient quality safety and experience and on the caregiver side, why should that not be any different, right? I talked to you earlier about how unfortunately violence in, in healthcare settings is on a significant increased trajectory across the country. It, it, it's the, some of the numbers are just unimaginable. Having said that, um, we're on the path, we have not done this yet, but we are going to be creating a centralized HR service center here at Guthrie to support our approximately 7,000 caregivers uh, across our system and growing. Uh, and through that experience, when an employee, whether or not they participate in a phone call, a Teams video, uh, an online experience, we're going to provide a short survey to assess um, whether we had first call resolution, what was their experience encounter like, and then we will start to utilize that data, evaluate any trends and opportunities, and either continue to do what we're doing well uh, shift and, and do something to improve or stop doing something that's not working altogether. The same holds true with the recruitment process. Um, we will begin looking at candidate feedback and surveys, and, and I'm sure we'll be able to look at data between what's the experience like between somebody who we hired and said yes when we made them the offer compared to somebody who perhaps they didn't say yes or we, we declined moving forward with them as a candidate. I think there's a lot of different types of golden nuggets of information and opportunities that we will be able to glean and glisten from those data points. And, you know, I, I say this, um, constructive criticism is a data point and feedback is a gift, right? And while we will always aspire to provide the best possible service and experience, we also have to be open and receptive to learn and grow from those things that we need to improve upon. So uh, more work to come and do in this arena. And uh, speaking of more work to come in this arena, one of the things also that was really cool for me to hear is the long-term commitment that you're making to, to these efforts, to this initiative. This isn't a little sprint, right? We're not talking about a couple of weeks or months or even a year. You mentioned about this being a five-year plan. So can you say more? And, and I think based on your, your experience in the industry, which is vast, is maybe this is the, one of the most, um, you know, highest, highest levels of focus, should I say, in people initiatives that you've seen in your career? Adam, so I've been doing this for over 20 years. 
And uh, here at Guthrie, we just launched um, this past July 1st, our all-in Guthrie 2027 five-year strategic plan. And within that plan, there are five pillars, one attributed to quality, patient safety, to finance, to growth, so on and so forth. And one of the pillars is inspired caregivers. And our goal is to become the best place to work and build a career, right? And I'm very proud because I, I had mentioned to you in our initial call that historically, when it comes to an organizational strategic plan, your human resources or human capital element is perhaps a, a sentence or two or a bullet or two. Uh, here we have an entire program and initiative. I mean, there, there are approximately 20 specific goals and objectives that we have to achieve over the next five years. So one example would be workforce planning. Historically, our industry is one that is quite reactive. We respond to the here and now, in the heat of the moment, what's happening today. We're trying to put out a fire since yesterday versus being proactive, thoughtful, and planful to help to anticipate, well, if we continue to see a trajectory of turnover over the next nine months, what's it going to take us over the next nine months to get back to a stable point in time? versus filling the need in the moment. So we just launched our first pilot with our laboratory services group, the lab across the system, where we're doing workforce planning. And part of that process we've already identified and we're going to be launching a new career ladder and career pathing uh, options for our caregivers. Um, we're redesigning and reapproaching the way that we incentivize work. Uh, from a compensation perspective, from a recognition perspective. These are some of the very um, exciting things that, that we're getting ready to embark. And I'm very excited about this journey, Adam, because look, early in the day, and I, like I said, 20 years at, at doing this, I've always seen myself as a customer service person first and HR professional second. And now, if you look at job descriptions for CHROs and other positions within HR, you will see consumerism or customer service, it's starting to creep into those job descriptions, Adam. My philosophy has always been that my entire career, but now we're elevating it to be more precise, right? Uh, to be more um, aware and informed and leveraging data and leveraging our experience help drive the best possible experience for our caregivers who are our own consumers, right? And, and the world's evolving. And that's a good thing. It, it's interesting that some, some don't see it as a good thing. They don't see it as an opportunity, or maybe it's a question of uh, internal resources or executive and board alignment where they don't see this as an area that's important. And in other organizations, I see folks like you, you're coming, you're coming alive as you discuss it. You're, you're, you're truly excited because in your career, you've seen probably this opportunity throughout your entire journey to, to elevate the way we work with, you know, employees, humans, caregivers, the humans in the workplace. And now you are, you have the resources, the capabilities, the attention spent, the, 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 the attention, you know, mind share is the word I was looking for internally. So, so John, l let's dare to just dream for the remaining, you know, few minutes about it, it's a five-year journey and beyond. You know, as we're thinking about consumerization of the employee experience, 
what else comes to mind as you know ideal state whether you're thinking more on a structure and process standpoint or maybe you have other examples where you know if we knew this about your experience then your people leader or maybe our organization can jump in with the following intervention or can meet you where you are so at this point we're suspending from reality in its entirety and talk to me about ideas that you're probably thinking about in the in the evenings and, and weekends. So, so one thing, Adam, you know, my, my enthusiasm is centered around the fact that this is a differentiator. We, we have to do this in order to differentiate ourselves from our competition in the pack. And I can't speak to every industry, but healthcare is going through tumultuous change these days. Um, there's a lot of pain points and pressures and Nevertheless, you know, healthcare is something that we all we all have to have at some point in our life, um, and even preventive care is something we could all have at any given point in our life. And we have to take care of those that take care of our patients first and foremost, which are our our caregivers. And from a consumer perspective, it's all about their experience. It's about meeting them where they're at. And you know, we from a diversity, equity, and inclusion perspective, and that's we didn't touch on that during this earlier part of the conversation, but just to share with you, while we have some similarities, there are many differences among us. And we have a little mantra here from a DEI perspective. I'm not different from you. I'm different like you. And and we we find where we have common ground, but we also separate where we're different. And I think from the employer to the employee perspective or vice versa, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach anymore. Certain things may apply to the masses, but there are other things that have to be carved out and created that are unique to a specific population. Let's take LGBTQ+. I'm an openly out gay male. Uh, I just recently started uh, LGBTQ+. Uh, affinity group here and you know or employee resource group and we are crafting benefits that are aligned with uh, gender reassignment surgery and therapy leading up to that right and does that represent the lion's share of our population no it's a small percentage of the population but we want to make sure that we're meeting people where they're at as best as we can and casting a wider net as possible, take care of those unique situations as well as some of the larger, more globally applicable situations. Meeting, meeting them where they are, casting a wide net, looking at everyone's, everyone's experience. I mean, it's just, uh, I I think if we did not have the technology, we wouldn't be able to ask these daring questions right? Create, create the bar that's so high for us. So, so John, for, for the audience that's listening in, and by the way, thank you for sharing all of, all of those. I, I think I speak on behalf of the audience, just to congratulate you on, on the accomplishments and, and the achievements and the excitement comes through. You, you're living your life, life's work. Uh, John, w- w- for those who are listening in, and there are agents of change in various steps in the journey, and I think when you and I first spoke, you thought maybe you are following, where I think now you're realizing that in many ways you are leading. You're leading. So for those that are following in your steps, what piece of advice would you give them? Authentic, be true to yourself, live life purposefully, meaningfully, 
And, you know, my mantra is to make a positive difference in the lives of others each and every day. We have the opportunity to learn and grow and do that and do it well. Perfect notes to leave our, to leave our discussion on. John, I, I couldn't be more grateful for your time. Thank you for, for contributing to the conversation. Thank you, Adam, for having me. This is a, a great podcast that you have, and uh, I'm, I'm honored and privileged to participate. Wonderful. Over and out. <laughs>